Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. Famous Henry, and as you can see, he's got a really awesome family. What's wrong? J-Squad. Welcome, Internet, to another episode of Fan Bros. The show where bros are fans or something to that extent. It's the Fan Bros Show, the multicultural maestros for all nerds. And as always, it's your boy, DJ Benjamin, a.k.a. Blackish Bolt, a.k.a. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yo, I mean, that shit was good, but come on. A.K.A. the Captain Kirk of hip-hop, A.K.A. the Butcher of Names, A.K.A. the Infinity Stoned, and the Anti-Trife Equation rolled into one. Woo! Like I said, it's Fan Bros Show, and as always, I'm joining the spaceship by... Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the spaceship, the Black Russian, the Black Rogue, Blackness Everdeen, mm-hmm. Chance the Parappa, mm-hmm. Colleen Wingstop, mm-hmm. Deuce Piccolo, yep. and... The Phantom Menace to F Society. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's my there we now. go. You're looking like Drake over there reading off a of Blackberry. Though. Oh shit! Oh! <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. I mean, shit. <laughs> Woo! We are starting it all tonight, folks. It's lit you in the space. We wild. We wild already. We even get into the show. Wild for the night already. Wild we didn't even get into the show. Yeah, wild disrespectful. As always, thank you to all the new listeners, our new subscribers on iTunes, everybody following us on Twitter, on Instagram, all those things, at Fanbros Show, everywhere. Make sure you're subscribed to us. You know, we're bringing you hotness. Another fire episode coming your way right now. I mean, you're listening to it right now. This fire shit's hot, ain't it? Dope. Of course it is. But boy, you know what else is dope and dropping this weekend. Yo. Yo. Get Out. The new film by Jordan Peele. The Fan Bros Show all got to attend a screening earlier this week. Shout outs to our brother Chico Leo. He was mm-hmm. up in there with us. We were all there. The stars of the film, Jordan Peele himself was mm-hmm. there. And Tatiana, what did you think of the movie? I was pleasantly surprised. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 first, let me be real. Like, I was already excited about the movie. Like, when, we, when did it first drop? When did that trailer first drop? Was it last year? Like, it was, like, last year's Super Bowl, something like that. Point is, it dropped, and it, it just left field because I saw from the mind of Jordan Peele. Now, people who watch Key and Peele, they're mm-hmm. just, like, from the mind. Immediately, you're like, okay, this is about to be straight-up comedy, yep. n- nothing serious, but you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I knew to a degree that there was some seriousness in it, but I thought, okay, this is going to be dope, but it's going to be mad comedy, just yeah. straight-up comedy. No, it's so much more than that. Like, there's definitely comedic elements in there, but it's way more than that. It's a social commentary. It's satire. I just said comedy. Like, it's horror. Like, it it, it does have, like, some real-ass horror elements in there. And it's such a well-paced and well-written movie and well-shot as well. Mm-hmm. And right now, it may, it may change by the time you listen to this, but right now, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, it has a perfect 100% score. Yep. That does not happen. No, very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. So, this... I will say this, 
all white people need to go see this movie. All people. No, that, yeah. no, obviously all yeah. people, but definitely white people. Y'all need to go see this because this, it, because, and I say this, to, I say this for a reason, because sometimes it seems like when you're direct with people and you say specifically what the issue is, mm-hmm. that they don't seem to get it. Everything goes over the head or yeah. they don't know the experience, whatever, whatever. But if it's presented to them in an artsy type of way, in a satirical type of way, in a horror type of way, maybe they somehow get the lesson. It clicks a little bit. Yeah. So I think it's important. Yes, all people should absolutely see this, but mm-hmm. I also think it's important that 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 those folks see it as well. No, definitely. And that, that brings up two points. Like, when we were at the screening, there was the moderator who at one point said, oh, this movie is about, you know, how liberal racism, you know, is coming out and how, you know, liberals are also racist even when they don't know it. To a degree and, it is. To a degree. To a degree. But, but I, not the whole movie. No, I think the movie is more just about racism and white supremacy in general. Yes. And I think it's like, I, I hate when people break people down into liberals versus conservatives because, like, Chris Rock once said, you know, you're liberal on certain things, you're conservative on others. That's just how every human being. Nobody is left or right. And to say that it's just liberal racism, like, you know, the white people who are trying to do good are also secretly racist. No, that's not the real issue. The real issue are the people who are just racist. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, like the it's white just people, the racist. White people who are trying to do good, you know, and they might, you know, everybody got a bit of prejudice in them. But, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to do good. I'm not yeah. worried about those people. I'm worried about the others. And that brings to my second point, because we posted a video featuring uh, Daniel Faluya, the lead star of the... Kaluuya. Kaluuya, yeah. The lead star of the film. And he was talking about how, we, you can check the video on Instagram at Fan Bros Show, but he was talking about how, what did black people do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Like, what, you know, do we do to, the, what do people of color do to deserve this everyday trials and tribulations that we have to go through? And there were certain comments when people saw this video on Twitter where they were like, oh yeah, look at, you know, it was his co-star Allison Williams is sitting next to him. And people are like, oh, look at her. You know, this white girl, she don't even want, she wants to hide and run away. No, it's and true. And that's, that, first of all. That wasn't even there. Yeah, first of all, yeah. <laughs> and and it, it really buzzed me out how motherfuckers like, like, I'm sorry, like, not everyone is evil. You know, not everyone is out to get you. You know, a lot of people are just born into this system and they do what they got to do to get through with it every day. And sure, they take advantage of their privilege. They do whatever they got. You know, they use whatever they have. But they're not just actively seeking to destroy you. And it's like, we can't just attack everyone. Like, you can't just be like, oh, my God, you're white. You're the enemy. Like, that's insanity. Like, that's not how this problem will ever be solved. And the woman... You know, Alison Williams chose to be in the film. Like, you know, she knows what she's getting into. She knows the role she's playing. And she did it and does a great job. And she that's not what was being said on stage. And that was just bugging me out how people were like, ah, like. <laughs> oh, so they were going hard. Yeah, on, they were or, going hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, that's like the besides the point. Like, if you focused in on that, you missed the point mm-hmm. again Yes. by a mile. Because that's not even the focus of the shot. The focus is Daniel. And the focus yeah. is on exactly what you just said about yep. the black American experience. And him, he's from the U.K., so mm-hmm. he has a slightly different experience. But at, at the end of the day, he's a black man. Yes. So he was able to kind of compartmentalize all of these different experiences and bring across this character and just go see this movie. Like, I don't want to say anything more than we already did yep. besides that. Yes, everybody needs to see this movie. It's very well done and I'm looking forward to what else Jordan Peele has. Yeah, no, and I, I wasn't the same way. I knew it was to be full horror. I thought it would be scarier than it is. I mean, I'd say it's not scary, it's, but it's more my favorite type of horror where it's a creepy, psychological, That's what I like. make you think horror. It's I, I, not I, like the jump scares or any of that nonsense. I don't like horror that's like grimy and, and, and dirty and blood and all yeah. that. Like, like that doesn't do anything for me. That's usually no. why I'm not, I don't even watch horror. Yep. Shouts out to the Screen Squad because mm-hmm. they do it well. But 
yeah, like that movie is just it's just well done. So regardless of what genre you think it is or what genre you think you like, just go see it. Yeah, no, definitely go see it. Highest recommendation. Shout outs to Jordan Peele, everyone involved. We'll definitely be having more from them coming up on Framborough's show. You better follow us, Jordan. You told me you was going to follow us on Twitter. Word up and read them DMs, unlike Wesley Snipes over here. Oh, oh yeah. Um, also, wow, big shout outs to our fellow friends in the podcasting world. Four Colored Nerds is doing their live show tonight. Well, by the time you heard this, yesterday, if you were there or not. But, you know, just shout out to them doing big things mm-hmm. because... You know, Farnborough Show Live events has to be coming very soon, I think. It is 2017, and we promised greatness, right? We, we did promise greatness. We're bringing you greatness with this episode, but, you know, it's time for a live event. So, you know, Farnborough's out there. Let me ask this question. Where should we be at? We've got to do one in New York, obviously. Obviously. We're going to have to hit D.C., obviously. I met a young woman. A shout to C from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago. She said, yo, y'all need to come through there. All right. Well, we might have to come to Chicago. But let us know. Hit us in the comments. Hit us on Twitter, at Fanbros Show. Hit mm-hmm. us on Instagram, wherever. We need to know where are y'all at, and we will be there in your hometown. Especially mm-hmm. if you, you know, cook us up some hometown meals, boy. I'll come right through. Take us to the fo- That's one thing. I don't go to no new place and go to the tourist spot. Don't you dare take me to the tourist Mm-mm. spot. Take me to the spot spot. Yeah, take me to the hood. Take me to the most littest Yes. Joint you got with the best food, mm-hmm. and then I'll be the judge of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Also, big shout outs to the Universal Fan Con. Ooh, ooh. Yes, we are. We've already announced it on Twitter, but we are official partners with Universal Fan Con. Fan Con is coming out in 2018 in August in Baltimore, mm-hmm. not BMO. DC, Baltimore. BMO. <laughs> and it is. Um, it's going to be crazy. Like it's a. Uh, to put it lightly or to put it in the most simple terms I can, it is a convention about intersection in geek culture. Mm-hmm. All the intersections. Yes. And it's some place that you want to be a part of. Definitely go to universalfancon.com to learn more about it. You can find out what guests are coming up, when to get your tickets, all sorts of things. So definitely hit that up. Mm-hmm. And again, shouts to everyone that's involved in this project. It's big. Huge. Huge bidly, big league over oh, here, shit. folks. I forgot you're saying that word now. <laughs> sad. But you know, what's not sad is more Fan Bros Show, and you're going to get more of that right after this break. What up, Fan Bros? This is Tatiana King Jones, and I'm super excited to announce that Colorful Lives, my podcast with Angela Yee and Hey Friend Hey, is back to celebrate Black History Month. The first episode is out now. You can join us as we catch up with all the major changes that have happened since Colorful Lives wrapped last summer. Join in on the post-show discussion on Twitter by using the hashtag LiveColorful. That's hashtag LiveColorful with an extra L at the end. Also remember to subscribe to Colorful Lives on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Tonight, we have Marjorie Liu, comic book writer and New York Times best-selling author. She's worked on such, such titles as X-23, Dark Wolverine, and Astonishing X-Men. 
her image comic work Monstrous is super major and has earned her an Eisner Award nomination for Best New Series. A bar certified lawyer trained in biotech and international law. <laughs> wow. She has published more than 20 novels, novellas, short stories, and comics, making both the New York Times and USA Today bestseller list. Welcome. Wow. To the spaceship. <laughs> Thank you for having we me. We do need a lawyer as for the Ambrose <laughs> organization. Uh, I would not wish me on my worst enemy. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about you guys? We are great. Thank you for making it over here. I know, you know, the world has gotten super busy for you as of late. <laughs> Things are popping. You know, it's going down. So, you know, we are happy to have you in the spaceship tonight. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I just got to ask you off the bat because I know that you didn't come into comics, you know, through the regular route. No. Like your first introduction was through the X-Men animated series. Yep. So do you feel like it gets enough credit for bringing people like yourself into the world? I don't think it really does because every time I'm at a, a convention and people ask me, okay, how'd you get into comics? And I say it was through the cartoon. A a giant roar will come up from the crowd, and everyone will be like, yes, fuck yes, the X-Men. That's how I got into it, the cartoon. But no one talks about that. Mm. I don't know why. That's how I got into, like, I never read the comic no. books, like, until I was an adult, so I totally understand that. I didn't start reading comics until I was 18, and part of that had to do with the fact that there was no comic book store around mm. where I, you know, it was just one of those things, um, you know, my friends had access to comic book stores, I didn't. And it wasn't really even on my radar. Mm -hmm. And when they would bring their comics to school, I would try to look over their shoulders, and it was just a bunch of dudes. And they'd be like, no, it's mine. <laughs> oh, no, bad. they were doing that. No, See, they, they did. No, they were like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. The pages are so clean. And they would okay. just kind of like oh. do that's that not whole. A, that's not a nice comic book fan. Real comic <laughs> book fans will say, oh, have you read this? Check this out. Even if they don't want you touching it. That's one right. thing. I understand. But they still are welcoming like, hey, look at this. Yeah. They try to get more people on their side. That's how it works. That happened later. That happened mm. later, after I was already in a comic book store. But, but <laughs> well, really, after you're there, so yeah. so if you mess it up, they could just grab another copy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but get, got my girl cooties all over it. But my uh. um, yeah. But my first no it was the X Men cartoon in the '90s on mm -hmm. Fox, and nice. the whole you know just just watching that soap opera unfold on television was just amazing to me. I'd never seen anything like it. And then when I was 18, and I went away to college, and there was a comic book store down the street, and I wandered in, and that was just it. Mm. That was it. Who's your favorite character from the cartoon? Jubilee. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I'm not gonna lie to you. I to this day, I would hate on the cartoon version of Jubilee mm -hmm. because I'm sure she's much better in the comics. But in the cartoon, I was just like, they made her kind of <laughs> weak. Like, what's she supposed to do with these sparklers? Like, what is, what's that supposed to do? And then they always made her like she was always fucking up. Like, I'm just like, she, <laughs> she was. For lack of a better word, she was always doing she that. She was. No, that's true. I, I always enjoyed her earnestness. Yes. Like, she was just true. the optimist, the earnest, like, just spunky. Nothing's going to get her down. Mm, you know, she'll go through hell or high water, especially with, like, Wolverine's up on a cross. She'll be like, I'll save you, man. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah I like that about her. And the fact that she was also Chinese-American. Mm -hmm. Like, I won't lie. That has something to do with it as well. Yeah. And we saw like a peep of her in the older X Men. Oh my gosh! Oh, like it was literally like whatever. a flash. Whatever. Like, <sighs> that that was that was lame. That, that was super lame. Now mm -hmm. see, that's funny to me because I the first introdu introduction I had to Jubilee was when she was first in the comic book because I was reading X Men at the time, and so when she first appeared, I was just like, 
wow, this is kind of stereotypical. Like, her name mm-hmm. is Jubilation Lee. Exactly. You know, and then she gets fireworks <laughs> powers, you know, when she becomes a mutant. And I never said it was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never said Marvel didn't, didn't. Listen. We're dealing in a world where people <laughs> go for the lowest lowest bar possible. Oh. We're going to make a Chinese character? Yes. yes. Fireworks. Yes. Fireworks from her hands. Jubilation Lido. Yes. That's what killed me. I'm like, really? Like, are you kidding? Wow. I'll be serious, Chris Claremont. Yeah. It's cute now. Like, now it's like, Now right. it's cute. Now it's cute. Now but it's but cute. also because yeah. they gave her a real story now. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, Jubilee yeah. is a great character now. But when she was introduced, I was like, you can't be serious. Oh, like, but they were. Cannot, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they were. Now, something else, because I just, when Monsters came up, it mm-hmm. was like, I heard your name everywhere. People were like, yo, are you reading Monsters? And, you know, every week they'd hit me, you know, for comics I copped. Are you reading Monsters? Are you reading Monsters? Please talk about this. <laughs> I love book. you. were bullied into it. Yo, oh, <laughs> yo, super bullied into reading Monsters. But I didn't realize how long you've actually been writing comics and even how many mm-hmm. of those I've read. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because like, I read so many comments. Sometimes I'm not like you know. I'll just read. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, dope comment, but I won't be like, okay, who wrote this? Who mm-hmm. drew it? Because I'm just always reading. But I didn't know you had like because I and this is I, I'm gonna get ripped apart because younger young guru always tells me about this. He's like, yo, NYX is one of the best series ever made. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, young guru is a huge fan of your work. Just for that, mm-hmm. I know because he constantly tells me to go back and read NYX. But how does it feel now to see? You know, Laura X-23 being up on screen now. Wow. Um, it, it feels really, like, it, it feels good. I mean, it sends a little glow into my heart just because <laughs> I love the character so much. Because I first, I actually didn't start writing her in NYX. Mm. Um, I started writing her in her own solo series. series. Yep. Um, and that was a character that really, really resonated with me because she was not, I mean, certainly I wasn't like, I wasn't raised in a lab or anything like that. <laughs> but, I mean, but there was this this quality of her, you know, about her where this was a girl who had always been told that she was one thing, yeah. one thing only. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had been raised to believe that she was one thing only and that she didn't have a choice in the matter, that all choice and all agency had more or less been stripped away from her. And that part of her journey was to learn how to be a, a person, how to learn, you know, how to regain her humanity, how to, you know, to learn how to make choices and, dis- you know, and, and discover for herself that she had agency, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a, is, is a journey that a lot of young women have to go on. Because when we're growing up, a lot of people, whether you're a young woman, whether you're the kid of an immigrant, people are like, you know, you got you to gotta live your life this way. This, right. is the, this is the way you are. This is the way you're going to be. Don't argue with me. This is it. And, and you know, in X-23, you know, she had to learn that, no, actually, she can be anyone she wants to be. She doesn't have to be a killer. She can make choices for herself. And so that really spoke to me. Um, and so now, having written her, now seeing her on, you know, that she, you know, or at least I haven't seen her yet, but that she, you know, I'm going to see her on the big screen. Um, I'm just like, ee! <laughs> like yeah, I want to make those little like e sounds. I'm like, I love her. And what's even crazier is that they say it's really good. That people yeah. say Logan is I good. I can't awesome. wait to see. Yeah, it. we haven't They're seen it either. They're not Japan. No. Woo! <laughs> Logan's not killing every Asian man in sight. Oh Yay. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, 
Go ahead. I guess you didn't like the second Wolverine. Well, oh. we, we, were, we were talking a little earlier about this, and I, I found it, you know, it's it's watchable. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's it's watchable, but mm. but as someone who's you know Asian American, I'm sitting back here and I'm watching this, and I'm watching him just basically, you know, every every Asian man in the film is evil or you know emasculated in some way. Yeah. He kills every Asian man, every Asian woman. You know, that's there is, you know, a rescue object, except, you know, for the one swordswoman. But she's kind of also just obsessed with Logan and protecting Logan. Her world's all about Logan. And so it's just, I was like, eh, all right. You know, this is just one more, one more stereotype that gets reinforced. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) But Hugh Jackman looked real hot. I mean, his abs were great. It was great when he took his shirt off. I was like, okay, (laughs) there you go. That'll sell uh, you. Yeah. I was like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. I have, yeah. I was just what you said. This was made me thinking about what I was thinking about, kind of mm-hmm. all day long. Just if, um, we have we have a, a recent guest that I can't name right now, but a recent <laughs> guest that said pretty much the same thing. And the mm-hmm. fact that him with him growing up, his father was also an actor, and mm-hmm. he was constantly given villain roles, and mm-hmm. literally that was it. Yeah, and. It's interesting to me that, you know, you, you said that just now with this movie. And then just even going forward, it seems like it's constantly like that. Like, if you're going to give an Asian role, you've got to be the bad guy. Oh, it's all the time. It's all, okay, let's take Iron Fist for a moment. Okay, yes, all of us, the collective sigh, let us take a moment. <laughs> let's take a moment and just like settle net, in. I feel like these net few weeks on this show are, are, are this, this topic should keep coming up. For the, like, the next four or five the, weeks. The burn. The burn runs deep, my friend. But I just think about Iron Fist, where it's this corny white dude who's the lead. Ooh, she's oh, she's sad. Yes. He, he is a corny, corny, corny white dude. Okay? How many and was on Game of Coachella Thrones? Coachella Oh, whatever. <laughs> yes. You should have stayed on Game of Thrones. Oh. But it, and then oh, the rest. Shit. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest the rest okay we have like one we have like an asian woman all right potentially maybe love interest probably love interest whatever and then all the other asian men are villains nameless villains nameless villains yeah. nameless villains and there was no need to do it this way i know they said that they had to like stick with the the comic but I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but Nick Fury was always white, and now he's not, and that turned out okay. Turned and, out great. And this whole this whole excuse that you know that Danny has to be an outsider, and that you know he's on a journey of discovery, whatever. Most let me tell you, most Asian Americans have about as much in common with with martial arts, and you know, and the mainland, you know. At, I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. This could have been. Let's say this was an Asian American adoptee, adopted mm-hmm. by white parents, crash lands in the mountains, you know. Because <laughs> he got to come from out of space. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's the only place Asian people come you know, from. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are the alien, the exotic other, not quite human. You're an alien in your own what? country. For real. Damn. But, you know, there's so many different ways they could have played this. Yeah. But they didn't. Who would you have preferred to uh, play at Iron Fist? Uh, good question. I mean... Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> Any, like, I mean, but like, just like, there's, they're like great, you know, there are great young, talented Asian American actors yeah. out there who could have done this. Even the guy who's playing like the villain currently on the show, like Louis Tan, yeah, could have done it. You know, I mean, there, 
it's not like it's not like they didn't have options. No. So there's always options. Yeah. Yeah, and they just seem to choose to ignore them. I mean, they could have got my man from Fast and Furious. And he's not even into Fast and Furious anymore. Oh, he would have been awesome. Oh, because they killed him. Didn't they exactly, kill him? they killed him. Yeah. They killed him. The one Asian uh, dude they killed. Yeah, he would have been great. Yeah. I loved him in Fast and yeah. Furious. I was hurt. Didn't I mean, they bring him back no. just to kill him? But you have Kinda, to. Yeah. You, you, murder, you murder the men of color as soon as they get with the white women. Oh. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm sorry. They just knocked him right off. We're going to newfambro.com article. <laughs> that's a list right there. That's a list. Oh, oh no, for real. Okay, that's, that's bet. Bet. I'm writing it down right that's now. That's a list oh. right there. Okay. Real quick, back to comic stuff. One of the ones sure. that you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Iron Fist is comic and it's comical, but yes. Um, one of the ones that, like I said, that you wrote that I didn't even know was the marriage of North Star. Oh yeah. And it's one of the best marriage issues in comics ever. Thank you. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, that joint. I, I love like, I mean, how much X Men history you have mm-hmm. in that one issue. How everyone comes together, and that's and now that I'm thinking about it, you had um, I'm not sure of her name. Is it Lady Deathstrike's sister? Who turns away from North Star during the um? She's a Shi'ar warrior woman who's like Warbird. I, Warbird, who's yeah. like I won't attend this, and is like I'm not feeling that. Mm-hmm. But wow, yeah, you you killed it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That was really sweet of you. No, absolutely. But what was that like writing that issue and the reaction afterwards? Uh, it was a it was a real honor. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a real honor to write that issue, and also meant a lot to me because. Um, for me, gay marriage was very much a civil rights issue. Um, my parents got married. My dad's Chinese. My mom's white. They got married in 77, less than 10 years after the Supreme Court ruled that you couldn't, you know, ruled that it was illegal to bar mixed-race marriages. Mm. And so, I mean, less than a decade earlier, my parents would not have been able to get married. Right. And I would not have been born. And so, um, and so for me, the idea that that <laughs> that folks can't get married because they're the same sex was just insane mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense to me and so to be able to write this this issue was huge but then also to see i you know i feel like it was like a year later or, you know it wasn't that much longer you know you know it's pretty quickly afterwards all of a sudden you know we were just seeing so much movement mm-hmm. you know um in the right direction legally yep. and so yeah it was it was it was wonderful it was a wonderful experience it was a little stressful because i wanted to get it right yeah um really really wanted to get it right uh, and and there are a lot of different moving pieces that went into that, um, and the reception was 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 great. Actually, you know, it was funny because Marvel kept preparing me for the worst. They were like, "Okay, brace yourself. You know, the crazies are going to come out. Um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Wow. Like, just you know, in case people come after you, just be prepared. We got someone on standby. After you, can, you? physically, physically online. Like oh, they were like, you Lord. don't, you just don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. brace yourself." And actually, the reception was was overwhelmingly positive. I did get some death threats. <laughs> Got I, mean, I, I shouldn't act like it's surprising, but but God, you know, damn. but actually, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, compared to what some of my friends get, just you know, from saying innocuous things online, I right. think I got off pretty easy. But I did get some death threats. Mm. And what was amazing was, um, you know, the, the 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 death threats would just start out. I mean, as plain old death threats. And then within oh, like levels. there were levels, <laughs> and then within a day or two, yeah. it just sort of it like settled into like this racist, like anti-Chinese just scree. They were like, "You chink guide, blah blah blah, wow. go back to the rice patties of the mint." You know, like I was like, "Like your response was just like, Uh-oh. yeah, well, okay, <laughs> right. sure, do you? I'm like, whatever." But that was it. 
and that only lasted for a couple of weeks, and you know, folks settled People down. People moved and, on to something yeah. else to rage about. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's weird. there's always like, something to rage about. Always so. something to rage about. When you about. do shit like that, you're a fucking weirdo. Just you, letting you know, you are a fucking weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> like, so true. What is your deal? Like, especially the people who do it online, because it's like they are talking, literally talking into the ether, into the nothingness. They think they're talking to you, but you don't necessarily. You may or may not be paying attention to them. Yeah. And they're and they're going hard. Yeah. And like, that's one thing I always make sure that I tell people, like, stop doing that shit, one. And right. then, two, like, you are really doing, having real world effects sometimes. Like, especially when you go, like, really crazy. Like, just. Like, especially, like, like, some people have to move away. People yeah. have to get bodyguards. Like, all sorts of stuff. Like, you really disrupt people's lives because of your bullshit. And I'm not going to take away the importance of comics, but you're doing this for a fictional character that you don't like. It's so stupid. It is so stupid. And I, I have known people who have not come to conventions because, you know, they were harassed online and they were afraid for their safety. Mm. And, you know, it's it's the it just puts it puts the element of, you know, just the fact that you're putting the element of, of fear. Yeah. That kind of fear and uncertainty yeah. into someone's life. Like, why? Why I mean it's like get off on it sure like that's just but like find something else to get off on just you know just go to go to your bedroom and turn off the lights i mean don't don't like release yourself release yourself but don't don't take other people with you oh my goodness not that serious folks it's really not and like i said that issue is just an incredible you know written issue and north star had been you know gay since his inception as a character yes you know like there's there was, I mean, it was, they had to hint at it back in the day, but it was oh, real okay. clear if you read like early Alpha Flight, the North Star you were was paying dead. attention. Oh, it was like, oh no, he's, yeah, it was so. He, like, he was out there. Yeah. <laughs> There's this one issue where he's like, he's a champion steer, and he could have any of the women, but I really don't feel like he's interested in that. And and as a kid, uh, right, right over, over the head, your head. Right, right over the head. head. When I reread it as an adult, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what that means. I get it now. Uh, I fully understand. So earlier, when we introed you, we said that you were a lawyer, yeah. were, past well, tense. I mean, I'm still licensed to practice. Right. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was looking at your profile, and did you major something called, what, like, biomedical ethics? So I majored What, what the in, hell is that? <laughs> so I majored in East Asian Studies, and I minored in, in biomedical ethics. And basically, it's just, it's sort of the ethics of... Um, I mean, one way to describe it would be um, the ethics of uh, of um, medicine, mm. of biotech. Mm. You know, should we or should we not um, modify humans, like the human genome? You need to speak to Tony Stark. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so. But from there, you left because you were like, okay, I have to follow my passion, right? Eh, not exactly. Um, so... Uh, huh. Listen, I, I never thought I was going to be a writer. Mm. I really never thought I was going to be a writer because that's not practical. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you, when, when you're a good Asian-American kid, you're like a doctor or a lawyer. Like, <laughs> or a black kid. Or... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's true. No, it's absolutely true. Any kid of color, Any pretty much. Any kid of color, yeah. your parents are like, I did not suffer. Yes. I did not suffer <laughs> to put parents, you through your school. Were the same? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? They were like, you can walk 10 miles barefoot in the snow so that you just become an artist. Like, are you crazy? And so... <laughs> It just never occurred to me. I love to read. I love to write. But that was just a hobby. Mm, You know, straight up, that was a hobby. Now, um, I loved law school. um, uh, But 
um, I around my third year, I realized that I was not going to enjoy being a lawyer, mm. that it just wasn't for me. Now, I it never occurred to me to give up practicing law, but I thought, okay, maybe I can find a legal job in an art foundation. Maybe I can find a job in some kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, in some corporation that deals in the, that works with the, you know, works with the arts, with a school, something that's not just um, sitting oh, in a firm all day long. Yeah. yeah, not something that has a little bit of soul. Um, funny, fun, funny side note. I actually applied for for a, a corporate legal job at Marvel Comics. <laughs> wow! Really? They never wrote back. Oh! oh. <laughs> now look at it. Yeah. I know. I know. But I I applied everywhere. I applied. Um, I applied uh, at the Air Force. You know, the JAG Corps. Um, you were trying to be exciting with. Like, yeah. You, you were, you no, I was really. I was. Yeah. I was looking. You know, for for interesting ways to to use to use that education. Uh, but it also, I was also graduating at the same time as the worst job market for lawyers in 10 years. And that was back in 2003. Mm. So I had some free time on my hands. And again, like I'd always loved writing, um, never actually finished anything. So while I was sending out applications and sort of twiddling my thumbs, I thought, okay, well, you know, I've got some time. Let me just, let me just write. Let me just do this. Uh, let me see if I can actually finish something. And I had this little voice inside my head being like, now's a good time. Do it, Marjorie, do it. So I sat down and I wrote 3,000 words a day and I played a numbers game. I told myself if I wrote 3,000 words a day, I could have a novel in a month. Sure. So, and I did that. I wrote 3,000 words a day for a month. And I, and at the end of that month, I had a paranormal romance novel. Wow. <laughs> and it took me two or three months to revise it. And I sent it out. And eight months later, I had sold it. Wow! Did and the words just come out of you? Just every yeah, day? It, yeah. It was just every day. It was it was weird. It's never it's never worked like that since then. I sort of thought I would be able to recreate that. Um, silly me! I I writing was a, was much harder work after after that first novel. Mm. But with that first one, it was just so freeing. I just sort of sat down and just poured out of me. Uh, it was it was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. And fun is actually kind of an understatement. That's not the right word. It was actually this. Um, it was almost a spiritual experience where I just, f I just was so wholly obsessed mm -hmm. with just one idea and one project to the point where, where nothing else mattered. I, I barely ate. I barely slept. I just poured myself into this. Mm -hmm. And I had never had the time, you know, or the ability to do that before. And it was, it was beautiful. It felt like... Wow parts of my mind were just on fire. Wow. And in and you know, of course I sat back and you know revised the book and the book was kind of, you know, that first draft sucked, but just the act of of doing it. Yeah. Really um was in some ways sort of life-changing because it it revealed to me that there was this whole other way of existing and it was an existence that that was just about passion and just passionately just throwing oneself into an idea, you know, wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm with no reservation. And I had never given that to myself. I had never given myself that gift. Mm -hmm. And I had a taste of it. And after having a taste of it, I thought, well, I don't want to do anything else. Like, this mm -hmm. is amazing. And of course, I had to be practical. There was the other side of me that was like, okay, you know, calm down. Yeah, pay your you rent. Know, pay your rent. You still got to pay <laughs> the bills. Like, yeah. you know, don't be an idiot. But, um, but time passed. And, and when I sold that novel, um, I also was able to get an agent and a four book deal out of it. 
Now, that four-book deal didn't really make me hardly any money, but it was a four-book deal. Mm -hmm. And I had to make a decision. Do I practice law full-time, or do I move down to the family farm and not pay rent and write full-time and just see what happens? And so I decided to take that, you know, sort of a leap of faith and move down to the family farm um, and write full-time and just go for it. Just go for it because it was a once in a lifetime chance, and I told myself that that um, you know the law degree wasn't going anywhere. Um, you know I could always get a job later if I had to, right. some kind of job, but that this was an opportunity that was not going to come around again, and that I just needed to embrace it for everything that it was worth. And and I did that. I did that. I did. You know I wrote two to three novels a year for eight years, um, along with comics, along with novels and I mean along with novellas and other short stories and it was um I tell you it was sort of a wild adventure it was not what I expected it to be wow um I think prior to selling that first novel and even after selling that first novel I I engaged in a lot of magical thinking you know I, I think there's this there was this idea in my head that I would become a novelist and suddenly everything would be different you know, it'd be magic. Magic. Well, <laughs> something I didn't know. I yeah. Mean, Marjorie had a farm. E I E I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. Um, I mean it was magical in its own way. Yeah. But being a novelist, you know, writing full time and writing especially with the schedule I had, um, it was it was a lot of hard work and it was very lonely. And that was something I really had to come to terms with. And it took me a long time to sort of figure out how to how to live my life in a way that was healthy, that wasn't just about the work, um, because I I made writing everything. Mm. That that's something I would like you to kind of expand upon that the challenges side of it because mm-hmm. there are a lot of writers, including myself, that mm-hmm. there are plenty of external internal challenges that whether you people call it an excuse or a reason, the mm-hmm. fact is there's many different things that may prevent you from getting to that so-called magical place. So. Right to other writers or even aspiring writers that are going through that like how like you mentioned that you learned how to balance it what were some of the things that you learned how to do uh well it took me eight years and Mm. um a lot of you know and 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 sort of um a depression that I never talked about um and you know I would alternate between feeling really depressed and then feeling guilty about feeling depressed because I didn't understand why it felt like it felt like this I was being ungrateful for all these wonderful opportunities that had come to me. And so I would immediately feel guilty and, and try to just, you know, boost myself up and, you know, be perky and be like, yeah, woo, I love my life. And I did love my life. But um, but I actually got to a certain point around 2009, 2010, um, where I, I literally was standing outside. It was a beautiful day, and I, I looked up, you know, at this cloudless, cloudless blue sky. You know, birds are singing it was gorgeous out and I thought damn I'm gonna be 80 years old I'm gonna die my cats are going to eat my body and no one's gonna know like literally no one is going to know that I am dead wow. like they're gonna find my, some some person's gonna come up on the house look in the window see my corpse that's already gonna be bones and they're gonna, gonna be take that long? The, the cats will have eaten each other <laughs> like by that point no, really, because I, that's how isolated I felt. Mm. That is truly how isolated I felt. And I thought, i got to change my life. This is not, this is not the way I want to live. And so I, I stopped 
I stopped writing. I stopped writing novels. Um, I was still writing comics because I had to pay the bills. And that's a that's a pretty stable paycheck. Um, but but I stopped writing novels, and I took all that time that I that I'd used um, that I devoted to to writing, and start spending that time on myself. Oh. <laughs> and that was really difficult. Mm. That was not easy. I would say that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, because everything about me, my A-type personality, um, you know, everything that I had worked for screamed against it. You mm. know, everything, everything inside me said, no, you know, this is a mistake. Um, you know, what are you doing? You're going to lose all sorts of opportunities. Wow. You're never going to be published again. Like, what? You can't stop. But there was another part of me that ran even deeper, that was even louder, that was like, no, you got to do this. you got to do this for your own health, for your own well-being, because you can't keep going. You can't keep going like this. Because right. each book I wrote was getting harder and harder to write, and I felt like my creativity was just dying. Mm. That magical feeling had left me. <laughs> <laughs> the magical feeling, the magic was gone. gone yeah. It's gone. It's back now, but it was gone then. So you realized self-care was Self-care is huge. Is huge. And not... And not making your work your identity. And I think when you're a writer, that's really easy to do because writing is such an intimate, personal process. It comes from the very depth of us. You know, it comes from our heart and it comes from our soul when we're writing. Yeah. And so it's very easy to tangle ourselves up to create identities that revolve around this act of writing, you know, or the career of being a writer. Mm. But the problem is that that's not all we are. That's not all I am. Yes, I write, but I no longer feel like no, my I, I am someone else other than just a writer, you know. And that's smart. Well, it's but you know, it, but it was necessary for me mm. because uh, because if the writing wasn't going well, then all then suddenly my entire being was affected. You know, I I, it's like I took it, you know, I, I took it really personally. <laughs> you know, if the writing wasn't going well, I took it real personally. And and now if the writing isn't going well, I'm like, sucks. But you know what? Let me go and. But you're you know, alive. Yeah, right? I'm alive. Right. Let me go take a walk. You know, let me think about different strategies and come back to it. But I don't I don't like beat myself over the shoulders. I'm not like, ah, you know, my life's <laughs> over. Um, and that that was a process. That was a process. It didn't come wow. overnight. Um, it's taken me, what is it now, like 2017. Um, it's, you know, now, seven years later. Wow, it has, wow, six Yeah. Seven, damn, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Time goes fast. But now at this point, I, I feel really good. I feel really good about where I'm at as a writer. Good. You know, as far as self-care. But, but back in, you know, 2009, 2010, I couldn't have said that wow. at all. That's real. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, damn, I need to apply this to my life. <laughs> now, you've also said that writing with Marvel, writing for Marvel Comics, is kind of like having this slightly domineering billionaire boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, wow. Well, it's kind of like ha well, getting away from Marvel. It's kind of like having that, that really hot domineering billionaire ex mm. who occasionally mm. likes to drive by in the Lamborghini and be like, hey, you want to go for another ride, baby? And you're like... <laughs> No. Yes. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's a Lambo. Yeah. So that's that's sort of what happened with Han Solo, where where after Astonishing X Men, 
you know, I was like, okay, you know, I want to do creator owned. I want to mm. do just something that I own. I loved, loved, loved writing for Marvel. It was so much fun. I loved the characters. Um, I loved the people I worked with. I mean, it was a, an amazing experience. But I also felt like it was time for me to start, you know, doing my own, doing my own shit and actually owning, you know, right. what I created. Um, because it was hard. It, you know, you, you, you tell yourself you're going to have to give these characters up. But it's still not entirely easy to do it because you invest a lot of yourself in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'm done. I'm going to do my, you know, I'm going to do Monstrous. That's it. That's it. For real. <laughs> and then, and then the Millennium Falcon went. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Damn you! Want to write Han Solo? <laughs> no one's you. immune to the Marvel effect. And huh? no, no one is immune to the Star Wars. No, 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 no. no. no one's immune to Han Solo. No. At least I wasn't. So anyway, did that. But. <laughs> Like we said, you're also doing Monstrous right now, which is, you know, Eisner Award nominated for Best New Series. I mean, it's just, like I said, when I first got it, like everyone was just telling me, okay, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. So I got the trade and I was just, the world building right away. I was just so like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and like, did was that intentional to just throw people into the deep end of it right away? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the world is as big as, as the one that's in Monstrous is that, that well, I mean, let me back up a, a minute. All I grew up reading a ton of epic fantasy. Mm. I love epic fantasy. I love fantasy novels. Like, uh, what what were some of your favorites? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, let me just start, like, when I was in high school, one of the, the big, first big, thick um, epic fantasies I ever read was uh, the Terry Brooks, and I'm gonna butcher. I never. I don't, how is it like Shanara? Shanara, Shanara. Like I don't I know was, how to pronounce Shanara. Shanara. Yeah. Yeah. I always went with Shanara. I always went with Shanara. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw it as a kid too. So right. Yeah. And so like I read that when I was a kid. And I was like, what else? <laughs> yeah. And then and then I moved on to Robert Jordan, mm. and I was like, what? And then I kept you know I kept cycling through, and and there was David Eddings, and you know all these, and but but I wanted to create um, I wanted to create a world, and I wanted to create an epic fantasy that that would have meant something even more to my younger self mm-hmm. you know oh, okay. I see. right like and you know a, a world that i never saw mm-hmm. when i was a, a kid growing up because all the worlds that that i inhabited um in my imagination when i was reading these books were you know all written by white men and they were all filled with with you know white men and white women um and like the ethnic orc <laughs> you know? oh. or the ethnic elf or something <laughs> Going on adventures. <laughs> the dark, the dark elf. elf. The dark elf. Drizzit. Like, Drizzit. <laughs> yes. Or apparently, or every now and then, like the the horse people would have vaguely Asian sounding, you oh, know, shit. like yeah. names or yeah. descriptions, and I'd be mm. like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. But um, but I wanted I wanted to create a different experience, and and so it was important for me to to get the world um, to to put the world out there immediately. So that when you open up, you know, the first few pages of Monstrous, you have a pretty clear idea of, of what this is about. And even if you don't, um, you're like, oh, shit, like this is this is <laughs> this is a real story. <laughs> this is, this is, there's something happening here. I don't know what it is yet, but yeah. but it seems a little seems a little dark. It seems a little bleak. Let me keep reading. Um, yeah. And 
but I, I again, I to go back to what I was saying earlier. Um, I wanted to create a story where you know where my younger self would open up the pages and see you know a bunch of girls of color, mm-hmm. see a bunch of mixed race mm-hmm. girls of color, mm-hmm. and having adventures and not having to be nice. Not at all. Not having to be nice because that's the whole thing. You know, it's it's this. What you know when you're growing up, everyone's like, be a nice girl, be a good girl. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like that more. <laughs> but also I was, and I was really sick of, of seeing all these of, of, of all these adventures where it was just all these dudes mm. you know There's or or maybe it's like the that. yeah I'm like I'm, I'm sick of it I'm sick of seeing so much so many like men in my in in my popular you know fantasies you know whether it's science fiction or fantasy it's just I'm done I'm done I want to see more women um, when I was a little girl I would have rejoiced at seeing a, an epic fantasy where there were a ton of Amazon women's mm-hmm. women's women running <laughs> the around. Women's. The women's. Z, Z women's <laughs> running around. Yeah, women's over there. One of my favorite. <laughs> one of my favorite fantasies that I read when I was a kid, and I don't even know what it was the title of this thing. It was one of those multi-author shared universe um, series about a group of Amazon women. Who ride unicorns, and what? these yes, and so and and the heroine <laughs> comes from our. I know the heroine comes from our world. She falls through a portal into another dimension, and she she lands in this world that's filled with these these unicorn riding warrior women, um, who are like being hunted by like this evil mage. And I was like, yes, wow, <laughs> yes, sounds lit. It, it was super <laughs> lit, but it was the only one of its kind. Like that was the only fantasy I read where it was just a ton of women mm. just just filling up the pages. So you were trying to like like you say you're trying to bring worlds that are not attended to really. Like yeah. no one no one brings them up. And I always I always love the fact that there's millions of dudes. And I'm like, how the hell did you guys get there in the first place? I mean, you gotta have some women in there somewhere. I mean, in some capacity. But see, what you do with your book is that you you not only introduce women, but you also introduce different facets and different spectrums of mm-hmm. women's the women's so. the women's. <laughs> it's not just like the the mother or the caregiver and all that stuff you know it's the warrior and it's yeah. the it's the it's the studious person it's the mm-hmm. monster like I know Ben is you're huge on Micah right yes yeah yeah definitely huge on Micah and like you said when it, when I first started it like I said I was like what the hell is going on but like you said it's also right away okay it's, it's very dark very things are happening and mm-hmm. Micah is not giving a shit about anything from the very beginning mm-hmm. and it's a uh, like I said, I'm butcher name, but Sana Takeda. Mm-hmm. I mean, folks, if you haven't read Monstrous alone, the art is just like, how do you beautiful. feel when you get those pages back? <laughs> because every time I turn a page, sometimes, like in the latest issue, um, when the two, I'm not sure their characters' names, but they're conversing, and you flip a page, and this woman is in the bath, and it's just this beautiful shot. And it's just like, how do you feel when you get these pages back, seeing your words translated to this? I don't even. I, I, Hmm. I don't even know how to describe how I feel because it's this her work is so luminous and her work is just so um just filled with like the soul of the world. Mm. You know, the soul of this world, the soul of these characters. And so when I see her pages, um it always takes my breath away. 
And I sit there and I scroll through and, you know, and what tends to happen is almost each page is better than the next. Yes. And it just, and I, I really, I, I'm just speechless. Like every time a new issue comes in, I am literally rendered speechless. I have to sit there and just sit with the art, um, you know, usually for a couple hours, just off and on, just going back and looking at each panel and taking it in. And I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does it. I've, I've seen her sketch with pen and ink. She does this all digitally. Um, I just don't know how uh, because she invests so much life, so much life into each page. And, you know, I, I, I saw this when we were working together on X-23 where it was always such a joy to write for her when we were working on that book because I, I knew, I always knew without a doubt that anything I gave her was going to come back with so much soul. You know, and that, and this, and Sana's an artist who can really handle the quiet moments. And not, not every artist can draw silence. Mm. Not every artist can convey the quiet that happens between two people. You know, those moments where it's, you're just still. Sana can do that. And, and that's really rare. It's really rare. And so when we were working on Next 23 together, she would just, you know, I would write these pages and I would see them in my head and then she would just come back with, with you know, images that were so much, so much more alive than anything I had imagined. And so I knew when we were working, when, when we were going to work on Monsters together that the pages would be beautiful, the art would be beautiful. But she actually deliberately changed her style mm -hmm. for Monstrous. She wanted to create a brand new look both for herself and for the book that was completely unlike what she had been doing for X-23. And so when she turned in the initial sketches, and this was probably about a year before the book came out, um, I was just like, ah. oh, shit. <laughs> oh, oh, what, what is this? What is this? And these were just loose sketches. Mm -hmm. Like these were literally just s digital sketches that she had done, you know, like just just blown so, these out. Not blown even them, a finished product. Not even a finished product. And to me, wow. they, they were so beautiful. And I thought, if the book even just looks like this, we're set. We're set. And I actually said that to her. I, I just said, it's just the book can look like this and we're good. And she was like, uh-huh, Marjorie, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, you just you do you and I'll do me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she does. And she does. And she does. And um, I am I'm, I am really lucky. I am really blessed, blessed, blessed to be working with someone like her. We're all blessed, for real. <laughs> and you just that blew my mind when you told me that she did it all digitally. Yeah. Because I swore that was all painted art. It looks like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She really sat there on canvas and really, I know. my heart. I know. It looks like that, doesn't it? Wow. Mm -hmm. Now, like, for people who haven't read the book yet, it's, like I say, it's a very deep book. It has a lot of themes in it. But, like I said, Maika is just, Maika, yeah, I got that right, yep. sort of. And the you moment did. that you got totally me in got it, it right. okay, the moment <laughs> that got me in it is when she first tells the monsters to go fuck yourself. The monster mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. go, is it, well, monstrum to go fuck itself. Mm -hmm. And that was just like, I was like, oh my God, you are the greatest person ever. <laughs> so how much of you is it, because you said before that you don't like putting yourself in the characters. But she is a mixed race. She is a badass so how much of you is in her? Oh, no, I put a lot of myself in my characters, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I do. Um, I would say there's a lot. Of, what Micah carries the most of me is my rage. Mm. Oh. Yeah, she carries a lot, of, a lot of my rage. And, and I think also this, um, 
this sense of um, isolation that I felt once upon a time. And so, you know, I, and, and that's, those are the qualities that, you know, that she has most of me or mm. most of what's most of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see how I can word this. <laughs> <laughs> me talk good. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have a monster coming out of your arm exactly. or anything, but yeah, beyond that, she got a lot of you in there. Right. No. And like I say, it's just such a, like, I don't I don't even think it's dark. I mean, the book is definitely dark. It definitely has its <laughs> moments of violence. But then you have, like, uh, the Kippa, mm-hmm. who just is full of earnestness and just, like, love and just mm-hmm. joy and just wants things to work out, even when they're at their worst. But it's just such a book that's dealing with so many different things at once. Like, the race, you know, and the characters at war over race and the slavery and mm-hmm. the torture and everything else that's going on, like... I don't want to say what's the point of it all, but why? What made you say, okay, this is what I need to write right now? Man, um, because life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel like these are issues we just. I mean, we are we are still we are still dealing with um, racism, slavery, colonialism, misogyny patriarchy none of that's i mean i mean we as americans can you know we can lift up the carpet and, and pretend that we're sweeping it under but it's still there mm. it is it is there and is alive and well and it is consuming us it eats us alive every day mm. and to pretend it doesn't um is cowardice you know straight up cowardice you know um and so you know i wanted i didn't just want to tell you know, a fantasy. Um, I wanted to tell. I wanted to tell a fantasy. I wanted to write a fantasy that actually meant something, that actually dealt with all of these issues that I I I was thinking about, um, that I dealt with growing up, that um, that I felt like were being ignored, um, and why not? Yeah. I mean, why not? You know. I mean, the thing about the great thing about fantasy. The great thing about fiction um, is that it allows us to to create distance between ourselves and topics that would otherwise be too difficult to face head on. And so, for example, I wrote uh, how many did I write? I wrote like eleven paranormal romance novels about um, non-humans, shapeshifters, and psychics, and you know, mermen and gargoyles. Um, all trying to find home and love and acceptance and friendship. And if you had asked me, um, I don't know how many years ago, but if you had asked me like five, six, seven years ago or when I first started my career what I was writing about, I would have been, oh, it's just fantasy novels about, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Beauty and the Beast, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, in hindsight, when I look back on it, I realize that I was writing about the experience of being a racial other. I was writing about the experience of being a mixed-race kid you know, um, like always hungry, hungry for community, always hungry for, you know, friendship, always wistful and sort of melancholy about the idea, you know, or about the feeling that I, that, um, that I was just a little bit different from everyone else. And that I, you know, didn't quite know how to settle into my skin. I didn't quite know how to, to, 
to belong or create a community for myself. I didn't even know really what that meant as a kid. Um, and so, and so writing about, you know, all of these monsters finding love was another way for me to write about me, you know, the, you know, this, this mixed race kid finding love and what that would feel like to find friendship and, um, family through friendship and community and I couldn't deal with it head on I couldn't I couldn't face that in a literal way so I had to do it unconsciously through Mm -hmm. my work now with monstrous I don't I'm not doing it unconsciously I'm doing it consciously Mm -hmm. I'm like now I'm like I I, I'm older you know I I'm more self-aware I've got the vocabulary to you know to talk about this stuff but also think about it because I, I didn't know how to think about it. I didn't even really, I wasn't even aware it was an issue when I was a kid. And now, now I do know. And with that awareness, I can, I can pour that into a work like Monstrous. Yes. Um, and be really conscious of it as I write. And really think about, okay, well, what's, you know, how can I tell an epic fantasy that covers all of these issues, that deals with race, that deals with slavery, that deals with colonialism and patriarchy? How can I do that? And, and monstrous, it took a long time, but monstrous just sort of fell, you know, it began to fall into place. And, um, and I, I don't know if I always get it right, but I'm, I'm definitely giving it my best shot. (laughs) I I think the thing about it is like, I always tell people is like, like it's a very, I mean, I don't tell people about this about monstrous, but it's definitely a very feminist series. It deals with all these things you were just talking about, patriarchy, you know, race, slavery, et cetera. But what drives it is the characters, and mm-hmm. what drives any great story is the characters. Mm-hmm. And you've done that already. You created Mike, or you have Kippa, um, the cat with all the tails. Friend. Yeah, his, his, <laughs> his little shady self. Like, yeah. yeah. So you have, and you have this whole world that mm-hmm. is just full of it. And so it doesn't even need to be, but I don't even, I don't think about those things even when I'm reading an issue as much because it's interwoven exactly. into it so well. Exactly. I mean, the whole, the thing is, no one, you know, a, a good story isn't going to beat you over the head with it. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 there if you want to read it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, the thing about Monstrous is, if you want to read it as a straight up epic fantasy, you can do that. If you want to read it um, as a commentary about, you know, race and colonialism, you can do that too. Right. If you want to, you know, read it as, you know, another, you know, as, a, as a, another commentary on, on, on patriarchy or you know on you know on uh, on women you can do that mm-hmm. but but it's 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 all there for you yep. you know depending on your mood mm-hmm. um and your wokeness and your yeah. wokeness yeah exactly <laughs> exactly no and that's something else because you were talking in another interview about uh the film ex machina yeah don't and, get me started <laughs> no, it, no see, but, oh it's like that you know it's yeah it's but, like what, what was so funny oh, to I me so was many in, issues with that film yeah and uh, definitely i had a lot of the same yeah. I mean, you you exposed me to a lot more than even i did i thought it was a good film but what killed me was when you were talking about how people referred to it as a feminist film. Mm-hmm. That's like, crazy to me. Yeah, that is like, insane. insane. I was like, in what fucking world was this? Like, how do people ever get that out of that? And like you said, it's how people read things into things that... Because she got out the end? Like, that's stupid. No, that's... We, we, we've fallen so low. We've fallen so low <laughs> that our idea of a feminist film is if the woman kills the men mm. and breaks free. Like that has nothing to no. do with no, yeah, no, nothing, no, nothing, nothing. 
But but you know that like people really do think that like feminism means kill all the men. Exactly. And yeah. that's why you get the stuff like with the meninists and all that yeah. stuff. Like these, these crazy motherfuckers. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> you, you guys need to sit down and just, just breathe a little. <laughs> just calm down. <laughs> How do you deal with ignorance like this on a day-to-day? Eh. <laughs> you don't make a panel of my mind. You're like, oh, oh like, what are you? What are we supposed to do? I mean, we, you know, we deal with it all the time, in various doses. It, you know, the this day is the, you born. This is the thing about a woman. oh, exactly. The thing about being a woman, the thing about being a woman of color, the thing about being a person of color, is, and this is the thing that white people will never understand, <laughs> and that men will never, never understand, is that we just have to deal with this shit. Mm. Okay. We just have to, you know. I mean, that's that's like we are we are born in this country and we are born in this world where whiteness is a metaphor for power, and and you know where being you know male is a metaphor for power, and if you don't got that, if you don't got you know either one of those things, then you just you get better settle in for the ride. Um, Go and tell it on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> tell that shit on a mountain. Please let no. them know. But it's and it's 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 and we all get it in in you know in varying degrees, you know it's all relative. But at the end of the day, um, you know here's the fun. Like for example, um, I'll go to Japan, and uh, I go to Japan, and I feel this weight that comes off of me as a woman, you know, because all the public spaces are dominated by women. All the public spaces are very female friendly. Um, you know, it's, I don't worry about, um, being, you know, catcalled, followed, menaced. I don't, you know, I don't worry about someone, dra- you know, like, like just mugging me, coming at me. Like, I don't worry about rape. And then I come back to the U.S. And literally, I kid you not, within a day, within wow. a day, like all this, you know, the weight settles back. Mm-hmm. And you realize, you, you know, and you realize like when you, when you travel or you know when you all of a sudden remove yourself from from certain environments how how much stress we carry in our bodies and how much stress we carry in our souls from having to deal with this bullshit all the time and and that's something that you know you just you don't understand if you're not if you're not living it you just don't, you, you can't understand that. You can't understand what it feels like to have that burden, you know, to have that, you know. And again, it's all relative, but you still, you still can't, you don't get it. You don't get it if you're not living it. No, and I think that's a, why a lot of white men are so clueless, because they never have to deal with any level of it. Like, even if you're a white woman, you have to deal with some level of it. And, the, you know, the levels keep going. But I fully agree with you. Like, I've been to Africa, and when I go to Africa, it's just like, oh, wow, I don't have to deal with, you know, when I walk outside, I'm not. You're not the other. If I get in a car, I don't have to worry about a cop pulling me over to, you know, shoot me. Like, I have to worry about a cop wanting some money from me, but, (laughs) you know, I can can give him that. That's not an issue, you know, but I don't have to worry about just the insanity. And then when you come back here, it's just an instant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
All right, well, thank you, Marjorie. You have survived the yeah. interview segment. We're but passing around a collection plate for Marjorie <laughs> next Sunday. That's all there was. Wait, oh, oh, no, it's, it's not quite over. You know, I mean, we, we know that you're an avid listener of Fan Bros Show, so you know we have the brat segment or rapid-fire questions. Oh, man, okay. Yep, so we have you here in the hot seat. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Right off the bat, Falcon or War Machine? Falcon. Magneto or Professor X? Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, fuck. Magneto. <laughs> Luke Cage or Black Panther? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Cage. Think... Luke Cage. All right. They uh, always think gotta, it's going to be easy. I got to really settle in. Okay, I'm going to get a drink of water here. <laughs> 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 She's like, wait, I got to get ready. Yeah. All right. Hit me. All right. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Wire. Great choice. Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom? Fuck. Damn it. Oh, shit. <laughs> today. So, who you feel today? Uh, Doctor Doom. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. The worst movie you ever saw? Prometheus. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, yo, I... I, we, 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 had, we had a we have a Fairbro show question of the day for this month, and one of them was what ending you could change. And I was like, Yo, Idris Elba meets the engineer, game recognizes game, right. and they fly off and to do done. other things together. That's <laughs> like, such a stupid movie. Oh my god, it was not good. It was I'm not so good at all. all. It just was so awful. That's top five dumbest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean I got a list, but that's a really bad. One. It's up there with Avatar. <laughs> Avatar looked pretty as hell, though. It, so it was Prometheus. pretty. You know, no, no. I mean, Avatar is real pretty. Yeah, it's super pretty. I saw it yeah. twice. Still in the theater, paid. But mm. yeah, okay. he said it like it's an anomaly. I paid. <laughs> I, I, I mean, was it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have me. Oh damn! Damn. You telling on yourself? Nicaragua, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Hey>, what up? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're so ignorant. Yeah, yeah. always. Uh, Storm or Misty Night? Oh, wow. Um, Misty. Mm-hmm. Name one thing most people don't know about you. <laughs> um, wow. Let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> um... Hmm. Could be arbitrary, like you like Swedish goldfish or something like that. I hate Swedish goldfish. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Judge Dredd or Judge Judy? Judge Dredd. Wow, that, you you would not believe it, but that is so rare. That's very really? rare. Really? Yeah. Everyone chooses Judge Judy. Why? Because she's a she's terror. Scary as fuck. <laughs> I, 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 no, but I just think Judge Dredd's amazing. I want to be on the back of that motorcycle, like <laughs> like like. What? Just, yeah, yeah, I'm the law. Like, yeah. I, yeah. That's real. That's <laughs> real. Yeah. Like, no, that's no. real. <laughs> like, I'm always surprised because I love Dread so much, but no, Judy is a constant on here. Oh, really? Dread gets like less than 5% of the vote. Damn, because in the post apocalypse, I would totally want to be like Judge Dread. Um, who wouldn't? Yeah. Especially in the post apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. But so. even now. <laughs> Why not? He's <laughs> like, what up, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> Can't beat this. Yeah. Okay, the big one, Star Wars or Star Trek? Mm. Star Trek. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you write the again, Han Solo I, book. 
<laughs> again, I will clarify. I am a big Star Wars yeah, fan, sure. especially now. Yeah. However, deep down, I am a Trekkie. I'm I really a total am. Trekkie. And the thing is, Trek. The thing about okay, I'm sorry, but Star Wars, Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I love, love, love Star Wars. But Star Wars is kind of one note. Ooh, and you, you got to explain this. And, and, yeah, and I'm hurt. Okay, I'm I know. Hurt. Okay, <laughs> unfold. Just breathe a little. But 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 no. But start. But Star Trek. Okay, I mean, I think about you know. I think about the original. I think about Next Generation. I think about Deep Space Nine. Yes. I mean, I kind of stop. I kind of stop at Deep Space Nine. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I love. As you should. I mean, you ain't missing Vo- nothing yeah, that. Voyager, Enterprise, whatever. Yeah. But but Deep Space Nine was sort of for me the culmination of 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 just um, how Star Trek could bring um, both the camp and complexity to their serial storytelling, and how they yep. could deal with you know some really you know some some really interesting, important issues, mm-hmm. you know, in the show. And still, and still, at the end of the episode, you'd feel warm somehow, yes. or like you know that you felt good. Mm-hmm. And and Star Wars again, I don't get. I mean, I really enjoy watching the originals. Yes, but the prequels. Yeah, the prequels. <laughs> yeah, but that's trash. But that's it. Like, but I keep going back to Star Trek over and over and over again. And when you know, I recently started rewatching Deep Space Nine. And I was struck. I was really, really struck in that first pilot episode at how much world building and character they poured into that first 20 minutes of that mm-hmm. pilot. Like, it was amazing how much work they did mm-hmm. and and how much work they continue to do over all, like, six or seven seasons. So I'm a huge Trekkie. I love it. That was such a comprehensive answer. Yeah, I can accept that. This is what I'm talking about. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. I know. You know, you get one out of 20. Uh, that's true, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's hating, but that's true. What's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Blade. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, quick. No, Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's I no love Blade. Blade. No, no, I love quick. Blade. Yeah. No, no problem. What character death in any medium hit you the worst or hurt you the most? Hmm... Um, oh, wow. Mm. Well, I was really disappointed when Han Solo died. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say that hurt me the worst. Um, let's see here. Let me think, let me think about this. Um, I have to search my cold, dead heart for for, for any fictional character that I was really traumatized over. (laughs) <laughs> Cartoons, movies, Cartoons, TV, film. Um, I gotta think Books. about this. I gotta think about this one. Wow. Um, hmm. I do remember screaming recently. That's bullshit when someone died, but I can't remember who it was. <laughs> 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 Which tells you everything you need to know about how much I, how much I care. <laughs> I'm sure I'll remember as we keep going. All right. Okay. But I, I was distraught over someone. I just can't remember who it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay, this must have been recently. It's yeah. Still, it still sounds like it's fresh. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of fresh. Fresh wound. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll come back to that. Right. All right. Um, if you kept any one superpower, what would it be? I would like the ability to heal or speak any language in the world. Yes. Mm. That last one is clutch. Yeah. yeah definitely is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it for the brap segment so do you have a character death 
Mufasa. Huh? Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> the Reed Saga. It happens to me every issue. Oh, well, no. Every, are you kidding? This is yeah. just like a death a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book, but by now I've just stopped caring. I mean, you know, okay, let me back up. Yes. Part of the re- Joss Whedon irritates me now because, mm. because every time, every time characters start to get together, like one of them dies horribly. Like he doesn't allow, he's, he doesn't allow happy endings for any of his, of any of the main relationships to the point where it has actually become a cliche. Mm-hmm. So, which when it gets to that point, I think there's a problem. Mm. Like you should you should examine yourself and maybe like, <laughs> and and maybe consider not doing that all the time. Oof. But like literally, you know, because I love him, I love him, and I you know I loved Firefly and I loved you know I love Buffy, but, <laughs> but, but that's that's a bit of a. So you know, the death it, of Joss Whedon is the answer. That escalated quickly. Stop. Well, thank you for joining us here tonight. Please let the fan bros out there know where they can find you at. Uh, my website, MarjorieMLou.com or Twitter, mm-hmm. which is just, I guess, at Marjorie Lou. All right. Mm-hmm. There you go. And make sure you all check out Monstrous every month. The latest issue actually just dropped today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go get that. And with that, we'll be right back after this break with more fanboys. Dope. Hey, everyone. This is Carla Perez. I play Rita Repulsa on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. Hey, what's up? This is Samus. This is Nikki Phillips. And this is Stacey Strobel. Yo, this is Carly Hustle. Hey, what's up? This is Jamila from Girl Gone Geek. Hi, my name is Roxanne Gay. Hey, this is the Shameless Maya. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Maya G. Hi, this is Reagan Gomez. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Jean Grey. Hi, this is Lola Ogunayake. My name is Jamie Broadnax from Black Girl Nerds. Hi, guys, it's Alfred Woodard. And when you're not in a lotus position eating quinoa or, like, rapping to your your bae, you should be listening to fanbos. No, I said fanbos. Okay, hang on. And welcome back to the internet, man. Big shout out to Marjorie Lou for joining us for that incredible interview. Man, so much fire in that one. As always, make sure you go pick up Monsters. Right now, issue 10 just dropped. It's a fire-ass series, y'all. I mean, if you didn't get enough from that interview, just let me tell you, it. joint is fire. Go mm-hmm. check it out. And you know what else is fire, Tatiana? The guac is extra. What we got up first today on the Geekwently Asked Questions. <laughs> the first question is from Twitter, Arcade Noise. They write, I have a question about fandom for the fan bros. What is it about being a fan of a certain artist, writer, brand, etc., that causes all objectivity to go out the window? <laughs> Star Wars is the best. <laughs> Why do you think some people tend to blindly like certain properties and refuse to see the flaws that could make the thing they enjoy so much better? The prequels were excellent movies. <laughs> As a fan, I think I'm more critical of the media I consume, but it doesn't stop me from enjoying what I'm watching, reading, listening to, etc. What do you guys think? 
Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, well written. M- mixed Grayson. I like that one too. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Dick Grayson, yeah, mixed Grayson. Dick Gray- that's, that's well played, sir. Well nice. played out there. I like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just that, you know, somebody was also talking about this. Like, uh, it was actually, I was reading another comic book and they were talking about how people who are fans obsess over continuity and stuff. When it's so weird because these comics are written by different authors over like spans of like thirty years, so it's yeah, like, like so how what you expect? Yeah, what do you expect? There's gonna be mistakes in it and stuff. And I never give a whiff about any of that unless you like betray the core values of a character. I don't care, you know, like what this author does with them compared to what the next author does with them because mm. I know there's gonna be a next author. So it's like it's not that serious. Like if I don't like what you're doing with Captain America right now, I'll wait two years and somebody else will be writing it and then I can read that. It's like, it's not that deep to me. As far as like blind faith of her stuff, I don't know. Like I love Star Wars, but I mean, I was joking. The prequels are terrible. Like, yeah. like yeah, there's no, you know, there's no hiding that. I laugh out loud every time I watch them. Like, and some people enjoy them joints though. Kids who grew up on them love them. So, you know, it is what it is, but I don't know where that, that's just people are weird, you know? I think the point of when people lose objectivity to stuff like this, stuff they love is because they find something in these properties that they feel they're personally missing mm-hmm. or they personally latch on to mm-hmm. something. So it's more, it's deeper. That's why I say it's when when people say, oh, it's just fiction, it's just a comic, it's just that. To a lot of people, including us to different degrees, it's more than just a piece of paper. It's more than just some writing on a paper. It's more than just a character. Like we talk about it all the time. These are characters that you vibe with, mm-hmm. that you identify with, that may personify something you're feeling or going through or, or your own personal experience. So people latch on very deeply to these characters. And regardless of if it's pure trash, they're like, yo, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Just because, like, I think in a way, if they would, if they see it in a negative way, they almost see themselves negatively mm-hmm. because they're, they're also projecting. They're projecting mm-hmm. on that character. So, like, they that, that first movie where, where quote-unquote, quote unquote Deadpool had his mouth shown shut you would see people who would go low yo but it's Deadpool though it's about to be lit like dude it's Deadpool he can't speak yeah like it's because they're seeing like this they, they feel like if they say something bad about this character then they're saying something bad about themselves mm. That's what I think. I mm. think I think it's a psychological projection that people are doing. And because of that, when people, particularly when they're thinking about themselves, one, most people don't even really see themselves as they're as they're perceived by others. Mm-hmm. They don't even like hear their own voice. Like when they speak, like when you have to learn when you speak, what you're saying may not be what you're hearing. Mm. And it's the same situation when it comes to these type of properties. Mm-hmm. Like people see one thing and not really like watch like do you are are you really focused in on what's happening here this shit is trash <laughs> to say the least so i'm with you ben i mean i'm the same way like i i love what i love i have my fandoms that I, i'll go to bat for but if shit is whack i'm gonna be like yo you you gotta you gotta do something about this. Yeah, even something like Batman versus Superman, which I sometimes defend, you know, for You do sometimes yeah. defend it. And but I don't I, give a shit. I hate it. But, but at the same time I can also be like, yo, this movie on an objective you know, on objective true scale, level it's it's not that good. It's 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 got it's, hella problems. I, and I will say that I, I my opinion of it has elevated slightly. Wow. Slightly. Yeah. Overall still best world. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Overall, it, but I, I, you know, as entertainment, I will watch that movie. Yeah, when it's it entertaining. Comes on cable. It, it is entertaining. It is entertaining. I'll say that. Most definitely. All right, we got another one here from Ty J, who says, 
Most people identify with heroes, but have you identified with a villain in comics, books, etc.? Anti-hero protagonists like Punisher do not count. They must be considered the villain bad guy of the story. Hell yeah. Easily. Um, Right off the bat, I would say, as a kid, and this is really effed up, I used to really identify with the Joker and the Killing Joke. What? Yeah, this is as a kid, though. This is as a kid. You fucking... I was. I was. But it was mainly his idea that everyone had one bad day that could turn them over to, like, this dark side. Mm. And just that idea as a kid really, you know, I gravitated towards. But now as an adult, I realize more. I'm, I definitely identify with Batman in that story because he's like, fuck out of here, dude. That's on you. You know, you weak and you broke down. Not everybody breaks down because they have one bad day. Mm. And that's more my feelings now. Uh, I would also say I identified with Osmondeus in Watchmen. Osmondeus? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Osmondeus, Deus, whatever. Because he was, I mean, like, his plan is effed up. But he had a plan, <laughs> you know, and and at the same time, for the short term of, you know, the Watchmen story, his plan worked out. Like, I mean, a lot of people caught a bad one, but, you know, his plan worked out. So I kind of identified with him. I, I can't say, because that's a deeper question for me. I can't say what I really want to say. Like, I, I, in terms of, like, I'm sure I have many. The, my go-to is typically Lex Luthor. Yeah. Because, I mean, I... I just obsessed with the character and the idea of the character and the fact that to me in many ways he's misunderstood and mm-hmm. I personally feel that all the time like I'm I'm sure I'm saying the sky is blue and people swear I said the sky was pink like and <laughs> and, and and I say that in terms of like his his ideas like you said he has a plan yes he he does have a plan and it may not be um, socially acceptable <laughs> yeah. at times, but when you really get to the the crux of the matter, like it makes a lot of sense. Like it is smart. He thought it out. It's logical, and that's nothing. I'm, I'm a very logical person as well. So I maybe that's why I I vibe with him so much. I still can't believe you didn't like All Star Superman. Yeah, but the cartoon. Yeah, the the, the, the film. No, you got to read the book. I know you said the the yeah. Yeah, you got to read the book because Lex. Yeah, like Superman breaks down why Lex is kind of false, you know, in that and like his yeah. whole. You know, I hate you because you're an alien and you're yeah, that's false. Us. Yeah. Like, like all that that xenophobic bullshit. That's yeah. not me. No, yeah, like no, I'm, there's there's yeah. there's portions of him that I absolutely abhor, mm-hmm. but that's not what I'm talking about. Just like certain certain character personality aspects, I, I think I, it's cool. And then after Red Sun, like that, what really was like, yo, yeah, Lex is the shit. Well, he is the shit in that. Yeah. And I like you said, Lex Luthor, I also would have to throw in Doctor Doom because Doctor Doom, I definitely to this day still identify with. Just his whole, like, isolationist, his mm. whole, I you know, hiding behind a mask and stuff. And then the fact that Dr. Doom is just, like, he's super smart and he's, you know, super magical, all that stuff, got the armor, everything. But it's more just about his pride and his, like, yo, you know, Doom is Doom. Yeah. Like, there, you know, I am Doom. I'm not worried about who you are, what you're doing over there, whatever. I'm going to do what I got to do, and I'm going to rule. Yeah. I I honestly, I I associate myself more so with the the heroes or the the friends of the heroes all the time. I'm like, Nas, boy, go to the movies and root for the villain. (laughs) 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 That is me all the time, boy. All right, so as always, if you have any questions for the Fan Bros, we answer any and all questions. Please hit us up, contact at fanbros.com on the email or on Twitter at fanbrosshow. Leave a comment on our Instagram at fanbrosshow as well. Hit us with them, man. We love the questions. Thank you for these two great questions this week. Mm-hmm. Let us name your child. We really like them. 
<laughs> have we, like, we, we've attempted. We attempted. They didn't go with her. His, uh, uh, my it, homeboy's wife didn't accept yeah, it. Yeah, she wasn't feeling it. I mean, I don't even remember what we said. It couldn't have been that bad. They were. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They weren't that good, let's say that. Okay. Positivity. Yeah. <laughs> Positivity. P-O-P. <laughs> but you know what is that good, Tatiana? Tech Talk with Tatiana. Yes, always the tech news is what's up because I have some what's up news from Instagram. In the next coming weeks, all users are going to get a new feature that is called, well, let me not say that's what it's called, but it's going to be um, a carousel post feature. And basically what that is, is right now the way Instagram works, you post one video or one picture and that's your post, right? Mm -hmm. Do your little comments, yada, yada, yada. This time, you'll be able to post up to 10 pictures or videos oh, God. in one post. Now, the way it works is you go through the motions like you're adding your picture or video, mm-hmm. or you could do it interchangeably. You pick up to 10, and what you'll be able to do then is on the next screen, you'll actually be able to rearrange the order these pictures and stuff come up in, and then you know do your typical edits, and then post. Once you post, what people will see is that first picture, and they'll able to actually touch it and scroll right or left to go through all the pictures. Now, from a, I didn't ask for that perspective. <laughs> I ain't asked for that. <laughs> Number one, y'all could have put the shit back in chronological order. That I that asked for. for. Yes. I'd like to I see would... other people. Right, right. Like y'all face, Facebook, Facebooked <laughs> yes. IG. Yes. But, Ugh. um, but from a from a creative standpoint, yes. cre- creators out there, that's huge mm-hmm. because the first thing that came to mind was things like comic books, yes. panels, mm-hmm. people who do web comics. Mm-hmm. Like you can write then and there, and and web comics typically take up like what five to oh, ten panels. Thank God y'all will stop tagging me in your one <laughs> post page about your comics. Right. So so you know how people have like these these five to ten panel comics. Yes. And it's giant. But it it shrinks down to this little three by five, like it, and and they insist that you gotta read this shit. And I'm like, yo, y'all better be glad they got that zoom in on it, cause I don't know what the fuck that says. But now with this new feature, that's something where you'll be able to kind of scroll through multiple panels. You can actually see everything in definition. It's great. Um, also, they show things like at the the example Instagram gave was like a party, like you're showing the video from the party and the people taking the pictures, yada yada yada. It's a great branding tool if you want to do things like show. You baking a cake and then you want to put the recipe up there. So yeah, from a creative perspective, that shit makes a lot of sense. From a brand ad perspective, sure, it makes a lot of sense. So if you guys come up with some dope ideas, let me know. Definitely tag Fanbro Show onto it. If it's a mixtape, we don't want it. But I'm just saying, like, if you got a ten page comic, I'd love that <laughs> because I'm sorry, y'all. If y'all are, like posting and y'all post like one page of your comic and you're like, yo, check this one page out, I'm not going to. But you know what? That's another. Not in, no, if it's a hold up, if it's a one page comic, I read the whole page. Yeah, if that's, okay. If that, yeah. Okay, yeah okay. I'm talking about when it's a multi page comic, <laughs> and you're like, "Yo, Ben, I mean, you want to check out this one page? No, because then I want to read the next one if it's good, bro. <laughs> no, <laughs> or sis, you know, and like however it goes, please. But th- that's dope, like you said, Tatiana. You know, ten pages. That's dope. Yeah, tad me and them. I love reading new joints. So yeah, works. And then lastly in tech news, um, I may or may not have talked about this a few months back, back in the summer, but I definitely posted about this online. There is an Amazon Go store in Seattle where it's basically a store where you can walk in, kind of set up like like Pret-a-Manger. My, I, I know I butchered the French. Leave me alone. But you walk in there and you could pick up like drinks and sandwiches, sandwiches and all that stuff and then walk out the store. And 
that's the end of it. All your shit is paid for. You don't have to wait online. You don't have to talk to nobody. You're good. The way it works is through a series of sensors like RFID and, and a whole bunch of other technical stuff that I'm not going to get into. But the point is you're able to walk in the store, pick up whatever you want, leave, and your account is charged for it. You're great. The reason why I'm bringing them up again is because they are now selling liquor. They are now selling the hen and the Ciroc and all that other stuff. <laughs> now, I don't know if they really have Ciroc in there, but they better. But if they're smart about it, they'll do it. So now I'm just thinking like, yo, can you imagine like just people just like walking up in there, grabbing like three, four bottles, storming out, <laughs> like how they feel about <laughs> now, I don't think, now that's the thing, before people was asking me, well, how does it work? How do they know that you like a member or whatever? I'm pretty sure you can't get in unless like you scan your, your, your phone or some shit like that. Point is, they are now doing liquor and then this, they only have it at this one test location. But if they expand across the country, you're going to see more of that, especially in New York. And y'all are alcoholics. <laughs> I mean, down in Houston, we already have like, or not Houston, but New Orleans. We actually had, oh, New- they got drive-through <sighs> liquor stores, so you know. When I was down there for Essence Fest, like that's not the first time I've been down. There. That was the first time I really walked around. Oh yeah, drive-through liquor store like that going is going down. If that is not the most oxymoronic thing I've ever seen, drive-through B, what do you mean? Hey, don't hate it. And y'all, and they got <laughs> open container laws. So I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm loving it. <laughs> this is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> <laughs> a recipe for a great time. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> that shit is fantastic. Hurricanes. Oh my god. But you can call it slurricane. And that's it for tech news. <laughs> oh my god. Since we're getting lit over here, it's now time for comics. I hopped. And, you know, we just had this interview with Marjorie Lou, so make sure you go get Monstrous Issue 10, which just dropped today. Yep, yep. Also, Mosaic Issue Number 5, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Issue 16, and Black Panther Issue 11, all featuring characters of color, all dropped today from Marvel Comics. Look at mm. that. I don't normally big them up all the time, you know, but they do do some things right. And Mosaic... It's a dope-ass series featuring our boy Kari Randolph on the art. Mm-hmm. If you're not checking that out, you need to. It's one of Marvel's first new characters of color, and I really cannot tell you how long. And it's so rare that they start off a new character of color and give them their own comic like that. Like just the to, own backstory, everything. Yeah, I mean, everything. He's his own new character, and he gets his own comic right off the bat, which does not happen. So please support that. In the new issue of Black Panther, uh... This is what everyone has been waiting for as far as Black Panther. So basically, this issue is like the culmination of ta entire storyline. This is Black Panther finally going to war against the rebellion that has been trying to usurp the throne. From Black Panther, Watch from T'Challa. I mean, from T'Challa. His sister is back. She's kicking ass. It's a whole battle issue. Hey, that's like some spoilers for some people. Well, goddammit, you should be keeping up by now. <laughs> like, I mean, what am I doing recommending these comments every week? We had Todd Asiata Coates on, on, on the show two weeks ago. If you're not reading it and you ain't up on game, then come on. I cannot help you. Well, you should be up on game by now. This is Black Panther. Well, one of the most important series Marvel has ever dropped. Like, if you're not reading every issue, then, you know, I'm not talking to you. W-E-L-P. Yeah, basically. I, I ain't got no worries about spoilers right now. Uh, and some other quick news. Vision, one of the most amazing series ever. Yes. Is getting a director's cut from Marvel this year. 
they're going to re-release every issue with... Well, they do these things sometimes with called director's cuts or comments. They're not like... Okay, I don't know have, anything about this. How does this work? Okay, well, they're not like where you're going to get like additional scenes or anything, obviously. Oh, uh, well, I don't want it. No, but listen, you get scripts. You get breakdowns. You get original art. You get... So behind the scenes Behind stuff. the scenes stuff. And okay. especially for people who are interested in how comments come together, when you see people's scripts... They're very different. You know, like, each author writes scripts different ways, so it's always dope to see how different people do it. Mm. And so he, Tom King has said that, you know, it hasn't changed much from his original script. Like, what you saw on the page is pretty much what he started with. But that's dope, and I want to see it because I love Vision that much. That book is just incredible. Is this a money grab, or you think it's worth it? I think this is kind of a money grab. Like, we talked about last week, Tom King is now with D.C., Oh, right, right. So we're so never going to see another Vision series like that. No, so I think this is Marvel, you know, because he's blown the hell up right now. So I think this is Marvel, like, a word? All right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ain't got you no more, but we still own you, bro. Uh, <laughs> so They got the masters. Yeah. We got your masters. Can't sign away that publishing time, but, you know, that's how it happens when you work for one of the big companies. Also, Bane is dating his own comic, and the only reason this really interests me right now is because, once again, Tom King has been killing Batman lately. He brought Bane back, and it's been dope as hell. He's different now. Bane's yeah, he's a little different. little different now. More back to the original idea of Bane, of, Bane, of this David plotting... Bane. Yeah, David Bain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a that new shit. There you go, new AKA. <laughs> David Bain of this plotting, you know, maniacal person who wears Batman down. And so it should be interesting to see. Villains, like, you know, we had this question earlier, but villains have been getting a lot of shine lately in comics. Mm-hmm. Also, a Thanos' comic, the latest issue of that dropped today. I haven't really been keeping up with it. But people like it, and the Mike Diodato art is some of the best you'll find in comics. Yeah. That dude is a beast. So check that out as well. And that's it for Comments I Cop this week. Make sure that Ben I mean sees what you guys are reading. Yes. If you use the hashtag Comics I Copped, that is trademarked by Ben I mean. Thank you very he much. He has the rights for that. If you mm-hmm. ever see anybody using that saying that they made it, clown them. Yeah. Tell them they're false. Tell them they're not legit. <laughs> Tell them that we coming after them. <laughs> Tell them we got the masters. We own the rights. <laughs> but no, for real. But if you are reading a dope comic, whether or not it's an indie or from a, the major publishers or it's New, your own, old, whatever. whatever, let us know. Tell us on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, and use the hashtag comments I copped. All right. There's some real quick movie news that just it, absolutely, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I'm happy about this or like, but <laughs> Mich- Michelle Rodriguez is joining the cast of Alita Battle Angel. First of all, is this joint ever going to happen? Yeah, they already filmed, supposedly from what I've read, they already filmed most, if not all of it. Wow. Um, But, like, she's like a secret, like, this is not her. Like she's a tough, hard-ass loner. Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> I, I don't remember the anime like that, because this is this is Battle Angel, yeah. Lita, whatever mm-hmm. order you put the words in, but it's anime-based, manga-based, so I don't remember all the, what every character do. But from what I read, they said that she had already been attached to the project. She was like a secret cast member. Okay. So, I, I mean, she she is typecast, to say the least. So, uh, uh, uh she working though. She working, you know. Like I'm not sure if she can do any other role. Like in terms of wow, wow. character, you are going to catch heat for that one. I and I I'm not saying I'm saying this for her as an actress. Her chops yeah. ain't that proven. Proven? I mean, you know, maybe she hasn't had the chance. 
That's a possibility that she yeah. has not had the chance. I will say that. I I'm will sure say there's that. probably some. Michelle you think people Rod- just keep giving her the same roles and she just keeps taking them? I know she played one movie. I mean, this ain't really out of her lane, but I know she played one movie. I think where she was a boxer, and people say she's really great in it. You know, that but, seems like her lane. Yeah, I know, but like it's more of her acting. Like she really had to, you know, do stuff other than just play the tough girl. It wasn't just. Being it a was tough more. Boxer. It was deeper than. Yeah, that. it was deeper because than I that. know there's different sides to Michelle. Yeah, but I haven't seen it on film yet. Alrighty. Um, but to yeah. your point, she people may not have be may not be giving her a chance. Yeah, and in a slightly sad news, Peter Mayhew, the man who played Chewbacca through every time Chewbacca ever pretty much appeared on screen in any of the major films, will no longer be playing him. Peter Mayhew is of advanced age, and you know it's tough for him to get around in the suit these days. So, in the new Han Solo film, which started filming, he will now be played by. Let's try this, Junus. Suotamo? Maybe? Junis Suotamo. I'm sure that's close. I'm sure that'll become a household name in a little while, just like Peter Mayhew is. But, you know, Junis wrote a letter out to the fans of Star Wars. He thanked everyone for, you know, letting him into the world. He thanked Peter Mayhew. And he's like, I'm going to keep bringing you that Chewbacca that you know and love. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, you can't, like... You, yeah, that's, you can't grow Chewbacca's hair and like become Chewbacca. No, like, but it's he, you know, you got to do the mannerisms, you got to do the moves, you know, you got to walk like Chewbacca. The walk, the walk. Yeah, the walk is very right. distinct, you know. It is funny, though, because it's like the dude who played Darth Vader, I'm, I saw this documentary on him once. There's actually a whole documentary on the guy who's in Darth Vader's suit. Hmm. But I saw an interview with him where he was talking about he was mad because when the scene happens with Luke Skywalker, even he didn't know what the line was. Like, he says another line, and then James Earl Jones dubbed in, no, the- Luke, I am your father. I think he originally says, like, I killed your father or something <laughs> like that. Oh, shit. That's how secretive that- they were keeping it. Wow. Yeah. And so he said, yo, George, I wish you told me because I would have played the hand motions Would have played different. it different. You played it fine. Nobody cares, no, bro. No one knew. No one knew either. <laughs> it's about James Earl Jones saying the line. Like, get over yourself. One thing I wanted to say that I forgot to mention about Alita Battle Angel is the rest of the cast, which is pretty heavyweight. It's Christoph Waltz, Mahershala Ali, mm. Jackie Earl Haley, Ed Skrine, and Rosa Salazar. Nice. Rose, is, Rose is lit, so okay. definitely check that out. No, I mean, I, I just didn't think this movie was ever actually coming out. You're actually naming I know, cast been, members and stuff. No, like, like I'm saying, like, they, they filmed. They filmed. Because what's his name was attached to yeah, this it for Yeah, it says filming just wrapped. Wasn't uh, Cameron attached to this? He, I think he's producing James Cameron it. is a producer, yeah. Yeah, because he was supposed yeah. to direct, but then he got wrapped up in doing eight more yeah. Avatar films. Yeah, they said CGI heavy. Yeah. It's like 3D. Like, it's going to be action. What's his name take over? Um, Guillermo del Toro? Is he the director? Guillermo? I don't yeah. know. I don't no. know. I don't see his name anywhere, but... Okay, because I knew that Cameron was supposed to, but then he was like, I'm going to do eight more Avatars. So that's what people want. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I cannot get over that. Like, it's been 10 years damn near, and they are about to drop, like, three more Avatars on us. I don't want it. But I don't want none of it. But, I ain't going. Whatever. Um, also, in some last TV news, Jamie Chung has been cast as Blink on the new X-Men TV show which marks the first mutant that they've actually cast and named, you know, as, like, mm. a, and a character that people know. I first remember Blink when she showed up in the Age of, um, what's that, Age of Apocalypse series, but she's since become, like, a regular in X-Men. She's a teleporting mutant. Okay. Yeah. I figured that's Yeah, much. I mean, her name is Blink. Yeah. You know? so she's, <laughs> very literal. Yeah, very literal. You know, she's a teleporting mutant. I mean, I don't know much more to go on that. It, 
I'm I'm liking Legion so Jamie far. Jamie Chung is cool. Is she okay? I don't know her. You do know her. You've I seen do know her. her. She's played. I'll I'll explain later. <laughs> but yeah. She's played the stuff that you've seen. She's cool. okay. Cool. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to this because I'm liking Legion so far. You know, I'm not sure if this is from the same people producing it, but you know, why not? You know, any more superhero TV shows. And while we're on the subject of superhero TV shows, shout out to Mellow Marketer who wrote a uh, very yes. dope piece on FanBros.com today about Agents of Shield. Yo. You know, he was, like, tweeting about, yo, this is the best episode of TV all year. I was like, whatever, B. This show has been slipping <laughs> so much lately. Like, whatever, B. Yeah, after Ghost Rider left the show, it kind of, like, took a nosedive. But last night's episode, <laughs> yo. Mwah. Yeah. Like, really? No, for real. Like, I jumped up screaming at the end of it. Wow, like yeah. that? Like you was watching the movie? Yes, like, no, because there's, like... I can't even spoil shit, but there's just several reveals at the very end, which are all like, oh, 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 <laughs> yo, they really went there. I want that gif. I want that gif right there. Right there. Chris, what up? I need that. Oh, that my God. Yeah, because that joint was fire. Shout out to Mellow Marketer. Please check out fanbros.com. All the articles, all the reviews, all the podcasts from our whole Network, you know, the For All Nerds Network. Yes. Yes, you know, Scream Squad, Slam Bros, Outlaw Bars. Tell them. Yes. So, you know, go over there. Head over to fanbros.com. Check it out. Also, check out Colorful Lives. It is back me, myself, Angela Yee. And hey, friend, hey, we are back with a limited run of Colorful Lives. If you guys don't know about it, we had a limited run last summer. We went to Essence Fest. We met a lot of you all, and we had a great time. The podcast is just us talking about our lives. We're talking about finance and health and wellness and self-care and pop culture. Like, we talk about it all, and we just have a great conversation with each other. So it is back. The first episode dropped this past Tuesday. If you haven't seen it yet, go to SoundCloud Colorful excuse me, Colorful Lives, that's with two L's. And if you want to talk to us, tweet us, hashtag live colorful, again with two L's. Nice. And one last thing, Marjorie Lou just hit me up and said that John Witt's puppy was a bullshit death. Oh! 